0: Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh,
1: oh, oh, O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
0: 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com.
2: Oh, hey, welcome to another episode of the Hunting Collective, episode 104 to be exact. We're here in Bozeman, and the Meat Eater Studios to bring to you a very important contest. That's a contest for our poetic reviews. Hundreds of you reviewed our show with five stars and wrote beautiful prose. You set words to song. You wrote original works of art. So much, Phil. So much to go over in Again, this episode. Just as with the drawings, uh, I am baffled by the response. Baffled. In a right. positive way. In a positive way. Phil yeah. tried to say before we hit record that he was telling Tracy Crane, old, old Crazy Train, that don't be nervous about your performance because no one cares (laughs) and of course on your behalf listener I jumped on his shit Mm. and told him absolutely people care this is the only thing they care about I was convinced Faith Family THC (laughs) that's the so we got that coming to you we got like a 35 minute uh, American Idol style performance piece (laughs) with your poem so we put as much time as we could into the work that you submitted So you're going to hear that in a moment. Also, you know, we got a little scuttlebutt from last week's episode that we picked a turkey call winner who didn't do a very good turkey call. Did you get some response? A little bit. So Uh, people were like, what the hell, man? (laughs) Um, And as I said on the last episode, sometimes creativity wins the day. And in this case, in Greg Morse's case, creativity won that day. But as an homage to all of you who sent in audio, we have... Uh, I put t- together a little medley of all your best turkey calls. So stick around for the very end of the episode and you're gonna get that and hope you enjoy it. Because there's so many. There's little kids, there's people in a car, clearly a couple of them are drunk. It's 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 entertaining. So you're gonna like it at the end of this episode. And then we got Rob Greenfield. Rob Greenfield is a, a definitely a YouTube personality, he's an environmentalist. Uh, he's done a whole lot of things to catch attention for environmental issues, but The thing we're going to be talking about is he went a whole year without eating any industrialized food, meaning he did most everything on his own, including including trap and kill squirrels, eat roadkill, get salt from the ocean, all different types of things you're going to hear from Rob Greenfield. So stick around for that. But it's a jam-packed episode of THC, so episode 104 coming right at you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 104 of The Hunting Collective. A very special episode, Uh, right uh, Tracy? Gotta get your mic in front of your face.
3: Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: There's a lot of energy in the room, right, everybody? Lots. Lots. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, right? More nerves. Sp- bring that closer, Spencer. You're going to need to get that baritone in there. I don't want to cough into the mic. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we've, all right. <laughs> we've all already had influenza <laughs> of every letter, so don't <laughs> How but many we, people in here had had the flu? We know Phil. Don't raise your hand. People can't <laughs> see it. Present. Phil. Not Joe. Spencer. Spencer. Joe and I actually Karen. Joe and I. Oh, no, I've been healthy
3: as, healthy
2: as a fiddle. Healthy as a fiddle. Maybe fit as a fiddle. Healthy as an ox, maybe a fiddling ox. We don't know. <laughs> we got a lot to get to. We got absolutely a ton to get to here on today's show. But as you all well know, we we've been through two of our contests from episode one hundred. Uh, a B Rich won for his illustration of Phil the Engineer. Well deserved. Well deserved. And Greg Morris won for his turkey calling. Which was... Uh, uh, kind of deserved. Terrible, but creative. Yes. His video really won the day. He, he had a picture of my dead hamster squeakers, and that's part of the reason why he won. So creativity can win the day here for these contests. Now, we're going to do Yanni Patelis, find them and grind them giveaway. And that means that the winner of this contest that we're about to decide on and vote on is going to win a pair of Vortex 10 by 42 binos. They're going to win a Weston meat grinder, right, Seth? Find him and grind them. Find him and grind them. Yanni's not here with us today, but I'm going to be injecting some of his laughter into the show, a la the mediator podcast some months ago. So, this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yanni, Yanni, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so like creepy. It's like he's here. It's, it's like, like, like creepy, Joe. Yeah, it's like he's here. Um, what about this? Oh ball? yeah, I'm in. No, he's in. He's yeah, he's in. He's, he's here. in. He's he's in. in. He's All right, for anything. Yeah, the Yanni Patel's find him and grind him giveaway now. Joe and I, Joe can attest, we spent most of Friday going through hundreds of poems. Yes, we definitely did. Hundreds, yeah. and we've selected how many, Joe?
0: Seven. Se- seven.
2: Yeah, I kept. You, adding you brought more, one back in. I kept bringing more back in because I couldn't. I was going to gonna let gonna them fight go. you. I couldn't bear to let them go. They're so good. Then um, there's so many that are set to song, which we'll find out here in a minute, right, Spencer? Spencer's right. going to do Johnny Cash. Mine's not like doesn't
4: have music though.
2: I can give you music. No. Would you like it? No. No, 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 because it does, it's not supposed
4: to. Okay.
2: Do all of them have music? or Not just, all of them, but just, I would like to pick a lot of them that did have a musical accompaniment. Gotcha. But this is a big deal. So you guys are going to do the poem. This would be like a poetry reading. And then you're representing the person who wrote in. So if you perform well, they could win. Because we're all going to vote after. Tracy looks disgusting.
3: Apologies in advance. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think Tracy's going to do the best. She's been so nervous all day long. We have Katie Finch here. We have uh, her agent or just her cheerleader. Hype man. Hype man. Kylie Archer, also a hype man, woman, hype woman, hope woman. (laughs) And so you may hear them screaming and cheering in the background, specifically for Tracy, who has been just dreading this for some time.
3: Just weeks. It hasn't really been weeks, but the anxiety is real.
2: Have you been
4: sleeping?
3: <laughs> Hardly been.
4: She said she listened to it on the way into work this morning. Yeah, she it.
2: called me over earlier, <laughs> just almost in tears. Would it, would it make you feel better, better to know that this does not matter at all? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. That makes it even worse. Well, I don't.
3: It I does matter because this kind of person sore no more. So sore no more. Hmm submitted an awesome entry and his his winning is weighted on my shoulders because there's some good prizes. These are there?
2: these are serious prizes. This is yeah, this is it's, this it's is, awesome. This is binos and a meat grinder. Find them and, em and know, then grind You
3: just em. my just my musical reputation which is a very big deal. Yeah. You know so.
2: There's a lot. lot It doesn't matter, Phil. Yeah, yeah. This giveaway could define someone's success this fall. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Phil didn't. Phil didn't think anybody listened to the show until he made it two days late when he got the influenza B. And people were writing in like oh, I was about to go on a hike and I didn't have THC and I didn't know what to do so I just walked around the woods aimlessly.
5: <laughs> I got no lost. direction.
2: No direction. So Phil doesn't take this thing seriously. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my secret though. You got to read one. So everybody here, we got seven people in the room. We're all gonna read one. Mine is or, uh, or sing, or sing, or rap. Yes. Rapper. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Rapper. <laughs> yeah. Over here. Tracy, yeah. Now, Katie, could you give me and, and Kylie give me like an example of what a hype? Uh, well, woman. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> yes. that was hot <laughs> Alright, I like it Alright everybody We better get started This is uh, just to go over Everybody who wrote their uh, poetic reviews Has given us their Instagram, Twitter, Facebook handle, whatever So we know how to get a hold of them So that's how we'll represent We don't have their names most times We have their handles But we have printed out pieces of paper Everybody shake your paper around so we know we got something going on we got going on. Um, we're going to have these performances and then we'll take a quick, quick break to let uh, Tracy calm down. <laughs> Get to breathing again. And then we're going to go back. And vote. We have a, a, a varied slate of performers here today. We are start off by the flip flop flesher. Yes, sir. Boy, I'm feeling a lot of pressure myself personally. F- on your behalf. A lot so of you're responsibility, Ben. Your uh, poetic review. Yep. You're going to hear a lot of coughing in the background because there's so many <laughs> sick people in here. <laughs> they're, all, they're all sick. Uh, you have Biz Marquis, Just a Friend. Is that correct? Am I correct about that? You are correct, Ben. You've been practicing. A little bit. Let's just play it. Take a minute to listen to the beat. Tracy can't hear it. You can't hear it? Uh. Can, can I just hit it whenever? Whenever you're ready, Seth. Okay. Can you start the beat over? <laughs> yes, I can start the beat Let's over. Start that over. We got a disruption. In I, wanted, the I wanted to hit it at a time. At a time? At a certain yeah, it's time. It's going to take uh, We have a disruption in the studio. We didn't practice. I'm going to be... I'm tra- Tracy. <laughs> Tr- Tracy is trying, <laughs> trying to sing here. losing it. Is, is hitting it the it's technical loser. term? For hitting it. it. Yes. You're going to hit it. All I'm right. Gonna hit, I'm going to hit it. Drop that beat, Ben. Tell us who this is for. Who are you performing for? Uh, Jake Sure. At Jake Sher. Give him a follow. All right. Give him a follow. And we're going to do a little... He's written this. Yes. Bismarck, he's just a friend about THC. Yep. Here we go. Uh. Feeling it. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Have you ever heard a pod you tried to rate, but a hundred episodes they made you wait? Before they gave away some sweet, sweet gear. Now listen up. It's a pod you need to hear. Oh, Phil. You got what I need. You ain't been hunting yet. You ain't been hunting yet. Oh, Phil. You got what I
6: need.
2: What? What? You ain't been
6: hunting yet.
3: You ain't been hunting
2: yet. That's it, folks. All right. That was beautiful. How do you, you. feel? How do you oh, feel? I feel great. That? Oh my I feel gosh, alive. it's electric in here. I feel alive. I feel Unbelievable. Alive. You started off slow, I will say, but you came into form at the end. Hey. Phil, great, the best for last. Phil Did what great. are you feeling about that, buddy? Uh, I I just love the confidence <laughs> and he backed he backed it up. A lot of confidence. with, with, with his a performance. performance. A lot of confidence. That that was fantastic. Is that, that's, is that what uh, like is that what stars feel like when yeah. they go <laughs> on <stage? laughs> That's like what American I get, I get, Idol, get, the people that get kicked I off American <laughs> Idol in the early rounds feel I like. I got a rush like no other right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is a better rush than mine? <laughs> no.
2: No, no. <at> <laughs> Good save. Just confirming.
3: Right. Just, just checking.
2: All right. Corinne Schneider, the producer. What will you be performing today for us, Corinne?
6: It is by A. Miller's Life.
2: A. Miller's Life.
6: And its title is Stop, Download, and Listen.
2: And this would be to the beat of Ooh. "Ice, Ice Baby." Let's give that a Ooh, quick like listen, it. just to know what that sounds like. Just get that in you, get that groove going. You feeling it? All right. Okay. Yep. All right. Whenever you're ready. Uh. C H C.
6: Stop. Download and listen. THC is Benno's vision. Hunting is a topic that's lively. Varying his guests from vegan to cult. Ah, Colonel Kelly. Yeah, keep going. It's great. (laughs) Keep going. Phil is his engineer's sidekick. He's a little weird, but at least he's comic. Relief (laughs) is what you get. Ah! (laughs) Relief is what you get when you listen. Ben brings some sense in a world full of vision.
2: Keep going. (laughs) All right, the last verse.
6: Okay. <laughs> to the world of podcasts, this is worth a listen. Stretch out your mind while Ben is interviewing. Hunting. Hunting Collective. The Hunting. The Hunting Collective. Word to Ranella. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well done. I'm
6: sorry, yeah. in Miller's life hey, that Miller's I broke life. that up a few times.
2: He uh, did great. That's a good well beat. Well done. That's a good beat. You can almost do anything to that beat. I feel like I might rip a freestyle here in a minute. <laughs> sons of bitches let's do it all right what who's next joe you want to go next i, I think we not probably, singing it's just reading you should probably keep the musical stuff all together which yeah. means tracy's yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah just let tracy
3: tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: tracy coming out with her home tracy crane T-Crain. Chief, T-Crain. chief marketing officer
3: yeah i'm surprised you haven't used the nickname yet t crane you forget what it is
2: crazy train yeah. crazy, train.
4: Yeah. crazy blah, train. the only performer to arrive with a posse
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'll learn that spencer's a man of few words but they're all these good words when you get big enough seth you'll have a posse yeah, yeah don't arrive. worry i
3: can teach you how
2: someday. okay yeah, yeah someday. someday should i get a manager
3: yeah absolutely you're on the bieber track from that performance i just heard
2: yeah oh good you know so far <laughs> It's gonna be hard to beat that one so far. So we have this is a third one and final musical accompaniment. The rest of these are actual just poems. Okay. Um, so Tracy, are you ready?
3: Well, yeah, but so can we just? Um, you're gonna start the song.
2: Yes. Okay. I whenever you're comfortable, I'll even start it over as many times as you would like. Yeah,
3: because this one's a little tricky because the chorus is the lead-in. Yeah. So I need to start in the chorus section. Oh, of the song. you too. Okay.
2: Let's let's take a look here. Oh, You're starting to... Oh, you're feeling it. Tracy's bobbing her head. Oh, yeah. Bobbing her head up and down. (laughs) Yeah, Tracy. Trace. (laughs) T-Crane. That's how they do it. We deal with Ben O.B. Yeah, you know (laughs) me. He brings
3: joy through the yonder BP. Invest in the PP and you shall see what all that really means to the eternities. Close your eyes. Settle in. Prepare. Let Ben be your guide and the engineer your purveyor. Weak sashes, miss, please say a prayer. Invest in this chaos, strap in for the impending disaster. Steal a happy hour, as you'll learn that O'Brien is a master. You down with OP, you down with Ben-O-B, yeah, you know me. You down
2: with Ben-O-B, yeah, you know me. (laughs) well done t crane sorry guys oh, that no. is definitely outside of the
3: skill set who are you
2: representing the crazy there crazy train that the would crazy be train. sore
3: sore no more
2: sore no more sorry buddy oh sorry buddy <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, it's partly because he didn't really follow the beat
3: that was the problem it's like he i feel like the chorus was very good the, you know, down with Ben O.B., yeah, you know, know me, but the rest of the song is not, it's like, soluble. fluid. Yeah,
2: it's not really fluid. Now, as a true performer, you just yelled it. and that, <laughs> <laughs> you, you just went for it. <laughs> you just, like, when you weren't <laughs> sure how to deliver it, yeah, you were that's like, right. yeah! yeah! That's typically right. <laughs> <That's> how <laughs> I that's, approach most things in that's life. What, it brought a lot of energy. Just
3: yell. Just speak louder.
2: It brought a lot of energy to the room. Important life lessons from All the crazy right. train. Crazy train. Give. Just
3: pretend, you know. No way. When Fs. you're not sure, just no pretend. <laughs> All
2: right. Well, we're still riding high now, Spencer. You're going to give uh, the cremation of the cremation of Benny O'B. Mm-hmm. As your hype, the hype team's out of here. They're not hanging around. No. <laughs> got Peace. See you guys. Got places to be. See you, team. Thanks, Kylie and Katie. They are out of town. <laughs> Out of town now, Spencer. You're up next. Would you like me to play what John, how Johnny Cash did this one, or do you want to just go? Uh, I, I already
4: checked it out. Okay, so you already feel inspired.
2: You're feeling pretty inspired. Now, <laughs> now. I'm going to give you an option for this music. You want mm. that? No, no, okay. No. Johnny <laughs> so, Cash wouldn't use that. Just, just Spencer's that's, voice that's, does that's get uh, enough. That's, that's right. morning hot tub music. there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. Just to just to uh, to round this up, Spencer loves a hot tub. Mm-hmm. In the morning, every morning he goes and, and this does is a hot tub. This is
4: a tough week because it's really windy. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, wind is just like isn't great in outdoor hot tubs. So <laughs> um, rather than like five mornings this week, I'll probably just do like three, I think.
2: Okay. So, All right. That's a All hot right. tip right there. That's I'm a hot I- a <laughs> hot tub, hot that's tip, a, a hot tip. Hot tub. Avoid windy days. Hot tip. All right, buddy. This is uh, tell us who wrote it and uh, what it's going to be about.
4: The Instagram handle is adadoutdoors. And this is, is it The Cremation
2: of Sam McGee? Sam McGee is a popular uh, poem yep. in, our, in our midst. If you don't know about Cremation of Sam McGee, uh, stop now. We'll give you a minute and go listen to it.
4: But instead, we have The Cremation of Benny O.B. Right.
2: All right, we're back. You've now listened to Cremation of Sam McGee by Johnny Cash, and the baritone badass is going to deliver some sweet, sweet velvet <laughs> into your, in your ears. Go ahead, uh, baritone.
4: There are strange things done in the podcast studio by the men who talk for gold. The treasure state has its secret tales that would make your white clock cold. The studio lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was the night on the deck of Lake Fort Peck. Phil cremated Benny O'B.
6: Whoa. Whoa
2: man. Well done. My, your voice makes nice. that so much better. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, that's wow. a strong performance and that's some
3: strong yeah. writing there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah gave I me felt chills. something. I, get, I gave got chills. chills, even though I was getting killed. Really uh, strong yeah.
4: writing. <laughs> I, I, when I went and watched... Uh, the Johnny Cash version, it's like six minutes long, though.
2: Yeah, no. Oh, wow. This is a shortened version. You got an easier one, but you only got it because of your voice uh talents. Thank you. But well done there from ADAT Outdoors. Yeah. Well, he did, well did his done. research, too. If he's not from Montana, he, oh, he yeah. did his research. Lake Fort Peck. Yeah. Yep. Everything Treasure State. Relatable. Yeah. All right, yeah. Joseph Jamie Farinado. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: to review, right. uh Joe is our Jamie. Yeah. New and improved. New and improved. Google, you have just have to Google something for no reason. Yeah, okay. I, I Googled it. Now, we only have a couple left. This one. Tell me about this one. It's by John T. Boston. John T. Boston. And it's just a... It sounds a, like a made-up name. It's
5: a poem. He wrote, like, I, there's no similarities
2: to any poem I've ever read here. This so. is an original. Completely. Oh, wow. original. So what we tried to do, yeah. what Joe Custom and I tried... creation. Yeah, what Joe yeah. and I tried to do is have, like, a couple that were originals, because the next three you're about to hear are originals, and then four that were adaptations of already existing mm. art. Mm. Um, and that's what that's where we landed yep. on these seven. That's how we landed on these seven. So I don't know why, important.
5: but I'm also getting the feeling that he's from Boston.
2: It could be. Just, All right, Joe, just you're ready. <laughs> you ready? <wanna> <laughs> I'm ready. Do you want any music, or are you going to go <laughs> <laughs> Boston accent I'll, for I'll just extra read it. credit? can't do it. You want to go nice, Bear okay. sans music. Okay. Just I'm just going to read it. Rip it out, Joseph. All
5: right. A show with the host named Ben O'Brien, bridging the gap, you know that he's trying, shares thought and opinion with hunters and vegans, well thought out, there is no denying. Ranella, Olcal, Cal, and the Eagle, and the rest of the meat-eater people, sometimes show up with bourbon and cup, <laughs> sharing their knowledge unequaled. You can't help but love all their work. The Colonel shares feelings on Turks. Geist's American model, Duchamp's plum brandy bottle. And Gilbert's feelings get hurt. Finally, a thank you to Ben from Us outdoors, Outdoor Ladies and Men. You help unravel the meaning of complex hunting feelings. This show is a ten out of
4: ten.
2: Well oh, oh, well done! I like the
4: nod to Gilbert. A little there. sucking
2: yeah. up there at the end. A little sucking up at the end. We'll take it though. Makes that's the most feel, heartfelt that one. That so probably makes far. you feel. It warm and, makes me feel warm great. and fuzzy inside. Yeah, right? that's why I give people uh, do contests. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's like,
3: so Ben can feel good about himself.
2: Yeah, I'm like, if you compliment me enough, I'll give you a cooler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil. It's getting deep in here, man. We're five deep, and That's I don't right. know what—I don't know who has the lead right now in my own mind. So, oh, I uh, sure do. You do? Yeah. O P P. Crazy. Okay, <Jane>. Phil. Okay, <laughs> okay buddy. I—I uh, thought you would have another copy, so mine is actually on my desk outside of the studio. Go get it. I'm gonna go grab it. You, you can just vamp, right? Yeah, I can. Okay. Vamp. Don't worry, I'll—I'll I'll fill. Should I should just make fun of. Him? I'll do some filler. <laughs> 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 Phil, that is. Fun. I could fill some time. That is rookie. Phil. <laughs> you just realized that just now? It's, it's because he normally have
3: to perform, so he's be- not used to having to have his performance aids he, readily available. He has available. his own
2: segment. It's because of the inf- Right, but it's,
3: it's, it's from the gut.
2: It's because of the coronavirus. No, he has printouts all the time. It's oh, from does? Gut. he does? to read It's because of the coronavirus. Oh, oh, the yeah. coronavirus is attacking Rookie his move. body and mind. Rookie yeah. move. Yeah. Did he, he tell of the, you to vamp? He what? said vamp, yeah. What is that? You know where I got the paper? <laughs> oh, he's with the paper. vamp. Yeah, what's Vamp mean, Phil? Is that some sort Phil's of uh, MCU, Phil You MCU? Know, Phil time? MCU. Phil time. Gonna, that's gonna be a good t shirt, Phil Time, just the illustration. Vamp of Phil is like on I think a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a musical jazz. That's a jazz term. Vamp. You want just some music count. for yours? Oh
3: cool.
2: You want this music? That's why he's mm. part of the podcast. Some some smooth form. jazz. Musical <laughs> jazz term. You want like this? Uh, sure, yeah. I'll,
3: oh I'll, he likes the music. He likes he it. A, I'll All right, t- tell
2: t- us who this is from. Kenny G. This <laughs> is from uh B Graves. Be Graves. Oh, I B like this. Graves. Yeah, Yeah, this totally. comes in, it comes in. Give it to us. Okay. Give it to us. Wait till it, you get some like percussion. Yeah, smooth. so you get to build. There we go. Jazz. Oh, out. yeah. Okay. Imagine a roundhouse kick to the face or the feeling of your grandma saying grace. That's what this podcast makes you feel whether you like a gun, bow, or reel. Ben and the boys bring in the heat made famous by a guy known for eating meat. The Hunting Collective is super chill. Except for that one guy. Screw you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you made him read that one. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Oh, that was awesome. My. Well done, Phil. Thank Boy, you, B. Night, Graves. We might have a
3: new leader. Be Graves!
2: <laughs> you, you delivered that last line perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, that worked just as I had planned, and I'm yeah. glad you didn't ha- hadn't read it much before. Yeah, that was beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Well done. All right, for the, for the final, this one's long. I'm just gonna let you know that it's long. It's like two pages long. Jeez. Uh but I'm gonna go for it. Okay. okay, this is this came from another Ben, Ben Callahan. So maybe this is a pseudonym for someone, yeah. Ben. <laughs> Ben Callahan, Stephen Benjamin Callahan. Yeah,
3: did, you, did you, and Cal have a child?
2: <laughs> yeah, Ben. I feel like he might win just because his name's Ben Callahan, and he signs. I sign my emails Ben O, and he signed his Ben C as a, like mm. as a, maybe an homage. Mm. Anyway, the opening. You sure, of you
3: didn't write this yourself?
2: I yeah, because yeah. I, I need a new pair of pants. <laughs> Ship them to a P.O. box in Hagerstown, Maryland. <laughs> All right, here we go, the last one. Everybody start thinking while, we're, while I'm reading. You'd be thinking about the, the artistry of this poem, but also who might you want to vote for of the seven contestants. Okay, here we go. All right. Ben O'Brien, you son of a bitch. I hope you read this and grant my wish. For you created THC and won the hearts of hunters like me. You tackle the tough ones day after day, pushing the narrative every which way. You are clear with your fears but have no hesitation. When exposing yourself for the meat-eater nation, the betterment of food and, and our own very being, THC is how much we are seeing. In the woods, on social, and through the scope is a future of hunting on a tight rope. That is the question. The answer is long, a philosophical conundrum that must go on. Is it bad to kill, to harm the beast? How can we judge when we all sit and feast? Ben covers the ground and has tons of great guests. His love for the wild he keeps close to his chest. This show was good from the very start. It's intelligent and witty and has lots of heart. Then along came Phil and Skimpy Moustache and Mango the dog with hair on his ass. Oh, Phil, you're a man with a soft, sweet voice. With so many podcasts, we now have no choice. To stream this each week, grab your old number seven. The more you drink in, the more you're in heaven. Eat your smoked mouth and try not to fart. You you just might miss the very best part. Listen for it now, and you're sure to hear. One more minute, have no fear. It's coming, I promise, and it's the real thing. Yup, there it is. Ben's email ding. Uh, Oh! man. Well done, Ben Callahan. (laughs) Wow. That could have been Ryan Callahan writing in. That was good. That was was A lot of time. Very good. A lot of time. A lot of thought. A lot of thought. Well, anyway, thank you. Let's give everybody that wrote these things a round of a damn oh, applause.
3: Oh, we're so supportive here ah, at the Huntington Park.
2: And now all of you but one are going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, no participation trophies here at the show. There's one winner, and that winner will be decided on the vote that will now happen.
3: And it's just us voting?
2: Just us. Just those of us in the room will vote for the winner. So, you you guys have in your mind number one to seven. Would you like to review each one?
3: I think it's probably easier for, to just um, say the The, the person's uh, name.
2: Yeah. person's name who you'd like to Yeah, wear. Who, The entertainer yeah. name. The, entertainer's the entertainer's entertainer name. Good call. Okay. The entertainer's name. Uh, I think like it's hard this to remember. <laughs> 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 the number. If you would like to recite the entire poem by memory. <laughs> all right. Joe Farinata will let you go first. Who is your choice for the Yanni Patellas? <laughs> Find Them and Grind Them giveaway? It's tough. They're all really good. Yep. I.
5: Really appreciate the the screw you, Phil. Um, That's a good one. I'm, <laughs> Me gonna, too. I'm gonna have to go with you though, Ben.
2: All right, oh, yep, Ben O'Brien one for you. One for, for Ben, ben Callahan. Callahan, Ben Callahan, the love child of Ben O'Brien and Ryan Callahan. Oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I think Yanni might vote for that one too. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. <laughs> That's That's great every time it happens. All right, Seth, we got uh, one vote for my guy. Um, Yeah, tough, tough, tough Tough decision. A lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. Um, I'm gonna go with Spencer's. Oh, Oh. Oh, it was very artful. It made me feel something. Uh, The the fellow who wrote it did his research. Mm. I feel. Um, I like Johnny Cash. Yep.
5: I like Spencer's voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would, would it make you feel different if you knew that he was from Montana and he didn't do research? Hmm. Maybe a little bit, but I'm not
2: going to think that. Even Joe. being from, <laughs> <laughs> I like to give him the benefit of the doubt, Joe. <laughs> All right. T. Crane. Okay.
3: So I'm going to give a winner for the um, for the... The submission, mm-hmm. but then I'm also going to give a performance winner. Okay, even though the performer doesn't really win anything, I still feel like it it merits. What's yeah, what's
2: um, wide open? You so, can't yes. pick yourself. That's a great
3: I'm point.
4: not yeah.
2: going to. <laughs> I'd like to give Tracy Crane the award for most improved.
3: <laughs> From zero to zero point one. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Screw you, Phil.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. All right.
3: And then I'm going to go flip-flop Flesher for the fucking
2: performance. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. Well, Nothing gets uh, better
3: than that, job, and I will watch job, that on Seth. video many times.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, all right, so there's one vote for Phil and me and one. Wait, where are we <laughs> at? Spencer, yeah, Spencer. did for Spencer. You, ben. You? Yeah, you, Ben. But there's one for me, Phil. then. <laughs> I did pretty good. <laughs> I was having, I was nervous. <laughs> I was having a, like, I should have got some water. Yeah. yeah, you looked <laughs> you like very, like, your, your hand
3: was shaking, yeah, flush was... in the face.
2: It's <laughs> hot. <laughs> oh my God, all right. Are, they, are, are these lights brighter? They seem
1: brighter.
6: You, they you,
2: seem, you, you do not like
3: being the center of attention.
2: Then oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't manufacture ways to be the center of attention. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? All right. Uh, baritone.
4: I like all the music ones, uh, but I would vote for Seth. Yes. Yes. So now we have like four. Oh, man. Yeah. So this, is four one way type. this
2: might have to come down to the, to the listeners. Mm. Oh, yeah. Give us one more. Mm. Give it to us. Oh. oh,
3: yeah. And that's the start of it, with just uh, so solid. I don't,
2: we're not going to do another one. <laughs> okay. We're going to leave it. One and done. <laughs> we're I like it. One and done. We can't. Uh, we I can't. Can.
3: When do I,
6: I don't,
2: hit it? I don't feel, feel like that what what I could need. do better it's than what I just did. It's a snowflake. There's only one of a kind. Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but, but Phil has what we
2: need. Phil. Yes. Oh, we man. have four different, four different votes thus far, and you and I are set to uh, do something about it. So you go next, and I, my vote counts for 10, as always. Yes. <laughs> as we all know. I am... Uh, I'm oh, Corinne's back. Corinne, you got a vote? You didn't even hear them all, did you? Oh, she has to go. She's miming. We'll cut this all out. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Bye Corinne. Uh, all right, Phil. Yeah, all Man. the pressure's on you. I'm torn. I'm torn between two. Okay, the shortest one and the longest one. Oh, oh interesting. Me and Spencer. Two yes. opposite
3: sides of the spectrum.
2: Yes. Uh, I relate to the subject matter of Spencer's, obviously. Uh, murdering me, me. Yeah. Yeah. on Lake Fort oh my. On Lake Fort Pack. You keep inviting me in to go ice fishing. I'm like, I doesn't even know how to ice fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, While sharpening a knife. <laughs> I, I looked
4: it up and this author is from Pennsylvania. So Good job, he,
3: Spencer. He did
4: his research. Another, no,
2: yeah. Yeah, Another, yeah, it's like a
3: double, a double vote for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm very happy with my decision. I've got a question about yours, Ben. <laughs> Go ahead. Phil. I'm looking at the paper, and it looks like it was emailed to you. Was this a part of a five star <laughs> review, or was it just emailed to you? <laughs> he said, "My damn review is not showing up in iTunes. Emailing you this because I spent a lot of time on it. Mm. I haven't double checked. I bet it, it showed up." Over time, okay. people a lot of people sent in like hey, it's not showing up, but it takes a while sometimes.
3: But I do appreciate Phil's thoroughness, yeah, Phil's and attention true. to detail. We, there.
2: we had to go yeah. through a lot of emails too, though. Yeah, there was a lot there, a lot, there was of people, a lot of people, a lot of people were being because they work a lot, spend a lot of time with this. They wanted to make sure I yeah. saw, it. and like I said earlier, this is very important. So I'm just trying to spend, uh, <laughs> yeah, as much time as, yeah, as is deserved. Um, <laughs> i Ben, what was the author of yours? Ben Callahan. Ben, oh, that's right. That's right. Ben, How could ben you forget Callahan. How'd you miss that? Middle name Giannis. Ben, ben. ben Callahan, you had the best moment with the email ding. Yep. But oh, I got to give it to Spencer. Ooh, and the uh, nation of Benny The Benny O.B.
3: Nice. We got a leader.
2: We got a leader in the clubhouse. We got a leader. Which means all I can do is make a tie, and then we'll have to go back around and vote. <laughs> and because we always need more content... <laughs> <laughs> how long, so how long is this? <laughs> uh, we're uh, at about 30 minutes right now. I, gosh, man. I got to say, my favorite performance was the flip flop fleshers.
3: Absolutely. Yes. It was amazing.
2: It was amazing. My least favorite performance just kidding. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, freaking bring it on, man. And when you ask me to do a favor again, you know what the is going to be?
2: <laughs> my least favorite performance was my own. <laughs> <laughs> Good save, Ben. Good save. Man. Well, can you get, put a drum roll in there, Phil? Well, I'll put in the drum roll. Here you it is. You usually need at least two, because I keep talking <laughs> <Yeah. through. laughs> I got a vote for myself, which means it's a tie. Between you
6: did that deliberately. (laughs)
2: Spencer. (laughs) Yeah, I try to milk this for all it's worth, baby. So there's a tie between Spencer and myself, Ben Callahan, and A-Dad Outdoors, right? Yes. What's his name? Scott? Scott Caravlan. So we're going to do one more lap around the table. (sighs) One more lap around the table. Between those two. Between those two. Seth, make it quick. Scott. 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 Ben. Scott. Scott. Scott wins. Welcome. Congratulations, yes! Scott. I, don't know, I said welcome. It you win! Win! Yay! Yay! You it! Find him and grind him. You found him and you ground him, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. That really didn't make me feel like a shiver went up my yeah, spine. Totally. When, oh, yeah, totally. It was beautifully that written.
3: Out.
6: Beautifully
2: yeah. written. Well done. Well done to everybody. We got hundreds of these things. I don't know. I couldn't even count them all. Um, but you guys took it seriously. I wanted to make sure we took it seriously. So we did. And here we are. So thank you for everybody. Round of applause for all our performers, as well as our winner, Scott. And he's What's his Instagram? A period, dad, period, outdoors. Boom. Get in there and follow that. See what's up.
0: To the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list.
2: We were gonna do some other. We were gonna talk about some other things, but we're what forty minutes in. Yeah, pro- almost. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna skip that, and we're gonna get right to our interview portion of the show, which has absolutely nothing to do with this, <laughs> at all. Which as is, as has become tradition, has become tradition yeah. on THC. We have Rob Greenfield now. Rob Greenfield was a, is a man that lived off only food he grew uh, and produced himself. So he didn't eat anything that came from the industrialized society of america for one whole year so we're talking about getting salt from the ocean wow Um, anything you can think of so he was formerly a vegan did this and decided he had to eat some roadkill deer trap some squirrels um so it's a pretty interesting look at how we consume and also just like the cool things you figure out when you have to do it so there's a lot of cool tips and tricks in this interview um so i hope you enjoy rob greenfield Hey Rob, how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. I was just telling you it's snowy and boze. We had a snow squall this morning, but you are uh, somewhere. I don't think it's snowing, right?
1: No, Costa Rica. It's been 90 degrees every day for the last three and a half weeks. <laughs>
2: That's not. I guess that ain't bad. Uh, we'll take it here. February around these parts get get to be tough. But um, what are you doing in Costa Rica?
1: Um, I'm on a speaking tour for the year right now. I left the United States three and a half weeks ago, and I won't be back in the states until about the first of 2021. So I'm, I'll be giving talks in about 30 countries around the world, um, and then of course, enjoying the the natural world everywhere I go, hopefully, and um, you know, meeting people and just learning, learning everywhere I go as I as I share information as well.
2: Yeah. What. What are your generally your topics when you travel around? Do you change it per country or do you always have kind of a, a refrain?
1: Um basically my number one theme is how to not destroy the world. <laughs> it's uh and also common sense. I'm just trying to bring some basic common sense back into our society that this earth is this earth is the only one that we that we have as far as we know and there's 7 billion of us and we got to work together to, to make this all work. And, um, you know, we got to understand the the earth and the natural cycles of it and work with it rather than work against it. So I do give talks on many different things, but it all comes back to that basic connection to the, to the world we live on and to the, the people that we share the earth with and the other species.
2: Oh, that's great. I had, I've had multiple listeners of this show, um, refer you and, and send me links of stuff that you've done. And, and so um, I can't remember the names of the folks that have sent them, but thanks to that, because I, I started watching your videos and reading your stuff, and it, it's it's little short of inspiring. And we, we've, in the last couple of episodes, started to bring people on that, that don't necessarily sit, you know, say, nothing wrong with a professor or an intellectual, but try to bring people on that are not only talking about these issues, but they're out there living it and doing something about it. And I think, um, I think what you did over a year's time uh, fits totally into that. So can you briefly say, tell, tell everybody kind of what the idea was by uh, forging all your own, forging and growing, and and I guess also been killing all your own food for a year. Uh, Where the hell did that idea come from? Yeah,
1: it's kind of funny for me to be on the meat eater podcast (laughs) because I was, I was actually vegan, you know, for two years, from 2014 to 2016. And I'm sure I'm not the standard, I'm not the standard person for the meat eater podcast because I also, I haven't done an incredible amount of hunting. I I wouldn't consider myself a hunter actually. However, you know, my recent project really immersed me in that for one year. I grew and foraged 100% of my food. So no grocery stores, no restaurants, you know, nothing packaged or processed or shipped long distances. And when I say grow and foraged 100% of my food, I truly mean it. Down to the salt, down to rendering the oil, um, you no know, gifts, you know, I couldn't eat at someone else's potluck or party, no you know, little scraps left over from a meal or like literally 100% of my food for an entire year. And of course, that meant immersing with animals too, because the reality uh, is that you know, so many of us are so disconnected from our food because of our current global industrial food system that makes it, it makes it easy to be disconnected to our food. And, and actually, it wants us to be disconnected so that we'll just buy whatever they're trying to sell. But the more you connect with your food and you actually procure it yourself, you know one of the things that you see is that that these systems are animals and plants and there is no separation and it's been an amazing immersion of just you know just just connecting in a way where you start to see things that the average person just never sees when they can get salt at the grocery store they can get their oil at the very least but in the reality almost everything is coming in a package shipped around the world
2: yeah it's it's a I think that we've been we've been covering this on the show in a lot of different ways kind of cuz my my philosophy or at least, at least how I feel and what it's done my hunting has kind of bled into all these other things that I want to do. It started with gardening and then it started looking at you know how I consume and what comes into my house and what goes out and and composting and and, and all these different things and hunting was the starting point for me as obviously wasn't for you. You kind of were re- a little bit reversed uh, before we get into all the things you did in that year and it, all the, cra- I'm sure, crazy stories that came from it. When did you first realize that that hunting could be some small part of what you did or or was an option for you within within this project?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, as I said, I was vegan for two years and I, I was influenced by some documentaries like Cow for example. And I'm generally very much a critical thinker and problem solver. You know, I'm an Eagle Scout, so I spent seven years of my of my life really practicing resourcefulness and and the basic skills and um and i'm not generally a very black and white thinker uh i realize that things are very much gray that there is no black and white on this on earth on earth and but some of these documentaries were so well made that basically like conspiracy it, it, it 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 caught me in this place where i saw how, how messed up factory farming was and they pitched it in a such a way that it actually made me go from the extreme of eating the factory farm meat to the extreme of saying no animal products you know no meat no dairy is is okay at all and well i can't say i was never that extreme 100% but the thing was i was living in the city San Diego, seventh largest city in the country. So I was mostly shopping at the grocery store. Hunting was not really a thing. I still occasionally went and caught a fish at the pier. Um, but but basically, I did go into this short period of sort of black and white thinking where it's, you know, this or that period. and then And then the more that I looked into permaculture and the more that I actually went to the farms that produced my vegetables and the more that I really immersed in our food system, the more that I realized, Oh, actually there's nothing that is good or bad. Most things have their, you know, their detriments. And, and, um, and so then I started to learn about regenerative agriculture. And then of course, you know, with this year of growing and foraging hundred percent of my food, I've been researching, researching the human's connection to food for, you know, close to a decade now. And there, I just don't see examples of humanity ever existing in harmony with the earth in a way that didn't involve animals. And so to live off the land, to live without grocery stores, to live without industrialization, um, I, I see no possibility that that can really be done except for some maybe very rare circumstances, which I still haven't found um, at all. So the, you know, for me, that was just one of the reasons why, of course, animals were going to be a part of this year of growing and foraging all of my food.
2: Yeah, and, and I think for for that's like I said, the journey that I've kind of gone on, and uh, folks that listen to the show have gone on, is, is really that we've we've talked about regenerative agriculture on the show. We've talked about a lot of these. We talked about mono, monoculture crops and our impacts and our disconnection from food, um, and hunting being kind of like personal medicine when it comes to that. It certainly isn't um, – there's no way that we could all hunt and fish for our food. It just wouldn't work. There's too many people, uh, not enough animals and we can never maintain. So we know that hunting is this, like, incredibly personal thing that does solve a lot of those problems. Is that kind of how it felt for you during that time, during that yeah, year?
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, and, you know, one of the interesting things is you look at anything and you say, well – everybody can't do this, otherwise it wouldn't work. If everybody decided they wanted to go hunting today in, in North America, of course it wouldn't work. But you look at the alternative, every, Everybody, most everybody right now is on the industrial food system. What is that doing? Well, 10,000 species are going extinct per year. The thing about hunting and fishing and foraging is that now we actually see our relationship to the land and we see that if we over-harvest that there's depletion and that, you know, you can have not just depletion, but extinction. However, nobody ever says, well, what if everybody eats from the industrial food system? We continue to get what we're already getting, which is literally 10,000 species going extinct per year, far more than hunting is actually doing. So it's just been a really interesting thing is that, you know, again, like we often we often look at things in black and white, but and we think that we look at when we do decide to take responsibility, then we actually see the the downsides. But when we dec- when we don't take responsibility, then we actually don't see that. Well, in that way, that's not sustainable either.
2: Yeah, for sure. When you so when, where were you in your life and kind of what did your life look like when you decided to? Because I know you've done a lot of other projects to to bring attention to the issues you care about where were you exactly in your life when you decided I'm going to do this, I'm going to take this year and I'm going to, I'm going to completely disconnect from industrial food.
1: Yeah. So it's, it is something that I was fascinated with for quite a while since the beginning of realizing the realities of our industrial food system. I, I had that question, you know, would it be possible to actually step away from this and actually produce and forage and, and hunt hundred percent of my own food. But I was a traveler at that time. Um, I lived in when I lived in San Diego for five years, I traveled for about six of the months per year. So actually doing it was just not something I was gonna be able to do because you have to you have to have a somewhat stationary life. Um but finally it was in 2017 when I decided I'm gonna do this, you know, I have to see if it's possible. And not you know, I wanted to see if it was possible. That was my big question. Can it be done? Of course, it could be done in the past. You know, humanity did this for the majority of the existence of humanity, but it's it's 2020 now. It's the 21st century and the world is a different place. So I wanted to see, can it be done in this society? And also wanted to use it as a way to get people thinking about, about food, where it comes from. But then, of course, the other big thing is that I just love this is what I love. I love, I love connecting to the land. I love, you know, growing and foraging and harvesting my own food. And so for me, it was also just going to be a big break from the computer and the busyness and the moving to just, just, you know, you live the simple life and and connect deeply with, with every bite that I ate.
2: And so what did you have to do to get stable and, and get settled down so you could start to set this all up?
1: it was a lot of work. Um, you know, most people who would do something like this would already have probably their hunting grounds. They might have a, you know, an acre of land where they're growing their food. Uh, you know, maybe they have, they know the area really well because they've lived there for years or decades. But for me, I arrived in Orlando with everything that I own fitting into my backpack, owning no land and actually having no place to live. So I started from absolute scratch and I started by turning front yards into gardens so I took sandy front yards because Florida used to be under the ocean so it's it's basically straight sand in a lot of areas. So I turned front yards into gardens and I started going out taking foraging classes. There's a local multiple local foragers but there's one named Green Dean. His website is eattheweeds.com. And so I went out with foragers, I went to local gardening classes. I picked up all the local books that I could find on foraging and growing. I plugged into basically all the local resources, the people that had been doing it in this area for years or decades. And I had to learn from scratch because I had done very little growing or no, I had never grown anything in the state of Florida. I had foraged nothing or almost nothing. And the only thing that I had done is in the past, I would go to Florida to fish growing up with my dad. So I had fished a fair bit in Florida. I was familiar with the Intracoastal waterway and fishing for sea trout and redfish and mullet and things like that. So I had that experience going for me, but besides that I was very much starting from, from scratch there.
2: Yeah. I I can't even imagine. I was reading a thing that said you, you grew and foraged like 300 different types of foods or somewhere in that number. And you had to, I can't imagine you got salt from the ocean, coconuts from the beach, you caught fish, you got herbs from your garden. Um, I imagine that has to be a pretty weighty enterprise just trying to think of all the things you absolutely have to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, just trying to figure it out in itself was a deep level of research and time. Just trying to figure out, okay, how do I get my calories? How do I get my fat and protein? How do I get my nutrients, all my vitamins and minerals? Because I wasn't taking any supplements or vitamins and medicine too. I you know, grew and forged 100% of my own medicine. So looking into the medicinal plants in the area, of course, I'm a big believer in the saying, you know, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. Everything that you eat from the land is a form of medicine. Putting healthy food into your body is a form of medicine and not putting processed junk into your body in itself is a, is a form of medicine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so much work to learn all of it and um, to get it going and my goal was that it would take me six months from the day that I arrived in Florida to when I started. So go from 0% to 100% in six months. And it ended up being 10 months. So I arrived in Florida on December 17th and I started on November 11th. So about, about 10 months after I planted my first seed, I launched into it and you know that was my first actually my first meal ever that I grew and foraged 100% was my first meal of the year on November 11th. So I really launched into the deep end on that first day.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, you're lucky you had the Florida growing season and not maybe not the Montana growing season. It would have been tougher. Yeah. Um, so and, what what during that those those months where you're trying to get this you have any crazy stories or you know huge failures or or things you just didn't anticipate while trying to set up a sustainable life like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I ran into all sorts of hiccups. I'm actually writing the book about it right now. And so I'm reading my journals. <laughs> I'm just seeing, wow, was I going through it? I mean, there were just so many mini disasters and, you know, destructions in the garden. Um, and just, it, it's amazing, you know, looking back on it. Part of me looking back on it feels like, yeah, it was kind of easy. Like it, it doesn't feel like a big deal. But after reading my journals, I was just seeing that I was just going through one challenge after another and just making it through because I had no other options because I said I was going to do this and I was going to do it. But a couple of things that come to mind in Florida, we have wild yams, and they're an escaped uh, species of cultivation. The species, the genus and species is Dioscoria alata. They mostly come from Asia. So they're, they're very much a normal, a, you know, standard Asian cuisine. And these aren't the like the Christmas and Thanksgiving yams that that are orange and look just like sweet potatoes. These are these bulb, you know, big bulby looking things that at the store can be ten or twenty pounds each, but in the wild they can get up to hundred fifty pounds. I had learned, so I was just after these yams because, I mean, just think about that. That's 150 pounds is the equivalent of 35 pound bags of potatoes. That's some serious sustenance from one yam. So I actually found a spot where I dug one up and it was 25 pounds. It was the first one I ever dug up. And I looked at the vines in the area. It was this little sort of ravine. And I figured that there was probably a thousand pounds there. So I, I, I figured I had found my calorie gold mine. I had my you know, calorie bank right in this one spot. And it was only a three mile bike ride from my house. And so I was excited about that. And it was a couple months before the project started. I think I bike past it and I see the whole thing has been bulldozed. (laughs) And I was like, you, you gotta be kidding me. Like there goes, Something that I was not fully banking on, but it was it was a potential for it was a potential for hundreds of meals. Um, now, luckily, the yams were all under the ground, and and I didn't notice at the time, but they all ended up coming back. So they didn't damage the yams, and my calorie source was still there. Um, that was definitely one of those you know moments that I I felt a near disaster, but but nature came through.
2: <laughs> well, and I imagine like, just just on that point, relying on you're you're relying on what's around you, right? Relying on nature, and if you're relying on it, uh, how can you not come like have a better value of it, or actually a tangible value of it? Not just I really love this place, but I really love this place for what it's doing for me. I imagine that uh, among the many things was was something you learned. It is a whole it is a whole
1: different. Way of looking at things when you're when you're truly dependent on the land. I mean, as a as a someone who's fished since I was eight years old, so you know for 25 years, I I really gained a different connection with fishing now because in the past, you know, when I was growing up, I mostly fished for fun. I, we ate some fish, but we mostly fished for fun, um, and I never needed almost never of the thousand times that I went fishing probably. I never needed fish or would go hungry. Um, But during this project, a lot of times when I would travel, I didn't have fish with me. I didn't have a protein source with me. I depended on being successful at fishing. Otherwise, it was eating lots of sweet potatoes uh, or sometimes not having enough food at all. So the interesting thing was now when I was dependent upon it, it seems that I, I considered myself a pretty good fisherman before. And during this project, I really questioned whether I was a good fisherman at all. Because it, it it really it really changed it really changed things because now you needed more consistent success. And what I saw was that I think in the past I remembered the good days of fishing and I didn't remember all the days I got skunked. But now I remembered the days that I, that I got skunks because it mattered. Yeah. Um, and then one other, one other really interesting thing, you know, one of, the most, one of the most challenging days of this whole year, it was about halfway through the project. And I was actually kind of deficient in fat and protein because I wasn't being successful with catching enough fish. And I, it was the area where I was lacking. And I was up fishing with my friend in Wisconsin. I took a trip up there. And I caught about a twenty-pound lake trout. Um, so a tr- I think that would be considered a trophy lake trout. It was maybe thirty-five inches. It was, it was like, the it was the the lake trout of a lot of people's dreams as far as trying to catch a trophy. And I wasn't after a trophy. I wanted to catch some food. <laughs> I I desperately needed some fat and some protein. And this lake trout was the perfect source of fat. I mean, these things are just like tanks of fat swimming through the water and I asked Ben I say what would you do with this fish and he says I would let it go and for me that's generally was my thought too because this is a fish that can breed it's 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 to that size where it's a you know it's a mega breeder it can put out so much spawn and so I let this thing go even though I was I was literally like so in this was the This was everything that I needed to solve my problems. And I let it go. And then two hours later, Ben looks at me and he's like, you know, you asked me what I would do with this fish. And I said, let it go. But did you mean, (laughs) were you asking me if you should let it go? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, man, I never would have said that. You need that. If you need that meat, you should have kept it. And it hurt for days because I really did need it. And it was just a whole different way of, of looking at fishing. And of course I, I, you know, my goal is to release the big ones and keep the small ones. But that at the same time, I learned that the fishery up there nets them indiscriminately. And most of the people that are buying lake trout at the store, they're all eating those big fish. And so for me to have eaten that one fish to solve my problem would have been, would have been totally justified. So, that was another one of those painful, that pain lasted for a few days. I just had a pit in my stomach for a few days from that. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's, I've always thought that I've always I was in hunting camp, be the guy at the fire, like, man, what if we really were hungry? <laughs> what if we really needed to kill this elk? What would we be doing right now? Um, and I always thought about that. And it, it that interests me like in indigenous cultures and, in some of these hunter-gatherer cultures that still exist around the world, as few as there may be. And it always, it's interesting to have that feeling, man. And you, it sounds like you had it, that if you didn't get a fish or if the crop didn't come in, you're going to suffer and you're going to suffer along with, with the that natural landscape.
1: Yeah, I remember um, uh, when I was up in Wisconsin, it's a city with so many deer in northern Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin's a pretty deer-popular state and um, it wasn't deer season, And I would ride my bike past the deer and I would just, I would want, I was like thinking about trying to run into them with my bike. I was just looking at those deer like, Oh, I need to eat you so bad, but I can't. And of course that's ultimately that's, I did end up eating a few deer that were hit by cars. um, And that ended up being a very important form of sustenance for me was harvesting uh, car killed deer.
2: Well, wow, that's, that's interesting. Is there any, like, w- what were the hunting or the, the killing of animals that you actually did? Did you get, did you kill any deer or, or squirrels or anything like that?
1: I, yeah, so squirrels, that was an interesting start for me. Um, I, I was in Florida and I was, it was, I was growing some plant-based forms of protein. I really wanted my own to grow my own peanut butter. I wanted to, you know, from scratch, make my own peanut butter. And, um, Also, I was growing sunflowers. I could make sunflower butter as well and eat sunflowers. And so this was something that I was really excited about. I just also love peanut butter. It's comfort food for me. So to be able to have this was kind of a big deal. And honestly, the squirrels just kept getting the best of me. They would eat the sunflowers before they were even developed. So there wasn't much I could do about it. And they would go, when I planted the peanuts, they would just go from peanut to peanut and and grab them. And so I was having a hard time with these. So, for you know, in permaculture, there's a saying, and that's, you know, let the problem be the solution. So I got myself some traps and I ate my plant based source of protein. So I turned them into my protein by eating them. Um, but this was tricky because it's not technically legal to trap anything in the city. So, it, you know, I had to be a bit on the sneaky side about, about trapping the squirrels in my garden and eating them. But, um, the so squirrels were one thing. And then fishing, I did a lot of fishing, um, and then harvesting those deer. And that's the only, I don't, I never, oh, I did, I did shoot a gun. Um, when I was in Wisconsin, I was practicing, I was gonna shoot some rabbits, but never got around to it because I ended up getting deer. And then I was actually thinking about a raccoon because, I didn't have oil. I failed at making coconut oil. And so nine months without oil, uh, to cook in. Yeah. And so I had, yeah, it was diff- that was difficult. And I talked to someone who said they got a half gallon of fat from one raccoon, um, by rendering the fat cause they have so much. And so I was gonna get a raccoon. Um, but actually I just, I set the trap and, never happened either. So yeah, I, 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 certainly ate a lot of venison, but never actually had to, to hunt for them. And for me, there were so many deer that were hit by cars. 20,000 deer are killed by cars in the state of Wisconsin alone that I just didn't end up having a need to, when I could just harvest them.
2: You Coming out of this, I think we'll go back into some of the more details, but coming out of this, what did you feel like, um, that honey would play a bigger part in your life coming out of this? Or did you were you inspired by kind of like the connection there? Or, or what was the feeling?
1: Well, in the long term, I am going to – I'm actually planning on doing this project again, but in the northern climate. So many people have said that they want to see this done in a place with winters. And yeah. enough people have said it that I just – they've convinced me I absolutely want to do it. And so as of now, my top choice is, uh, Northeast, probably like upstate New York. And I'm actually, for some reason, I have the idea of the Ithaca area in my mind. And so when I'm in the Northern climate, I'm certain that hunting is going to be much more, uh, a part of the project in Florida. It just didn't work out. Um, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, 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 to me personally, it, I feel much more connected to it. I grew up in Wisconsin and I feel much more connected to it in the, in the multi-season climate in in the, um, you know, deciduous forests. I didn't feel really strongly connected to it in Florida. Um, but when I do that up in, in a temper, in a cold climate, I'm pretty confident it'll become more apart, um, but, you know, honestly, the other thing that's kind of just personally interesting for me is I'm very, I'm a very resourceful person. And if there's deer that are perfectly good that have already been killed and hit by cars, for me, it just makes sense to pick those up rather than go yeah. and hunt. Um,
2: a whole lot less energy on your food. part to go and do it. You don't have to, to sit at tree stand for three days.
1: Yeah, it's less energy, and um, it's a good usage of resources. Um, so it just makes sense to me. Um, now, the other thing that really made sense for Florida that I really wanted to do was hunt wild pigs. Yeah, that was my next. Are, that
2: was my next question. I'm like, Do you had to have thought of that.
1: I was. It was something I was definitely going to do, and here's the reason that I never got around to it. I had multiple people who who were going to take me out hog hunting, but everybody baited them. And the rule was, if I was going to hunt, if I was going to bait, I had to grow or forage the bait as well, because I couldn't get industrial corn to use to feed the animal or to bring the animal in. So even with fishing, I couldn't buy worms. Uh, I couldn't buy food to catch my food. With my squirrels in the trap, I put my own homegrown sweet potatoes in there, for example. Um... So that that's what held me back from the hogs is that everybody that I had connected to was using bait stands Yeah. where they, you know, they, were, they had them on a schedule. And so I couldn't do that. So I was trying to find someone who didn't bait them. And, um, I, I couldn't find I, that didn't happen. I'm, I know there's people that do it, but I couldn't. So that's what prevented me from getting a, a pig. But, but for me, from the get go, I was definitely planning on doing that. Um, the other thing is iguanas. I did I did hunt iguanas prior to the project because they're also invasive in South Florida. Yeah. And and I we ate some of those, but during the year when I did go to hunt iguanas down in South Florida, I caught three of the three days of straight rain and the iguanas come out when it's sunny, so I didn't get any. So so I attempted, but you could say that I failed multiple times. <laughs> multiple times i am not an experienced hunter and i failed multiple times at getting myself an animal
2: it's funny enough yeah i mean i'm we're at the very tail end of the what they call the shoulder season here in in montana for elk and i haven't filled my elk tag and and i'm just thinking my family's not going to have as much elk as we would want now not in the situation you were in but it's just a a strange feeling because we're just not going to go buy beef we're we're not so i'm thinking i was thinking roadkill the other day i was thinking um Mm. Traveling to other areas of the world, we were just talking about going to Texas for access Deer. Your... So it's funny how when you start to rely on this on this resource, you can't really screw it up as a hunter. You kind of got to get get what you can get.
1: The pressure can be on when when you're yeah, whether you're completely forced to or whether it's a matter of ethics and principle, um, it really changes things.
2: What did you like? You know, obviously everybody's going to ask you what you learned from this, but but while you were in it. Um, how many times did you have to shift your own, did you shift your own structure? Cause obviously you made up your own rules, you're following your own rules. You have kind of a North star that you're, that you're guided by. Was there times where you had to, had to give into something or, or give up something?
1: Well, originally, yeah. I mean, I, I will say that the, the project did go pretty much as planned for the most part. And although it was challenging, it did go about as smooth as I could possibly hope. I mean, literally giving up grocery stores and restaurants completely and every morsel coming from the land, having never done it before or met someone who had done it before, it did honestly go about as smooth as I had hoped. And I knew there was going to be challenging and that that was a part of it. Um, But the things that went differently is I definitely burn more fossil fuels than I had intended. I had originally hoped to do as much of this as possible on my bicycle and trailer. I even originally planned to bike to the coast, uh, with my, you know, 60 miles and load up on mullet and get, you know, 50 or a hundred pounds of mullet and come back. But honestly the fishing didn't go, I, I never did as well fishing as I had expected. So it meant I had to go much more often. And, um, so I ended up, Definitely driving more than I had intended, and I definitely broke the rules a few times. Like one time uh, in Wisconsin, my friends were doing really well with night crawlers, and I was spin casting for trout. And I I just I gave in and I used a night crawler and caught a trout that I ate. And so that was one time that I broke my own rules. Um, another time, you know, nothing in itself is that hard. It's not that any one thing is that hard, but it's when you're doing everything, the amount of time that it takes and energy, that's when you know, people online would often say, well, why didn't you just do this? Well, because I was doing a hundred other things that day. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, so another rule that I, another time that I broke was, for me, I had to harvest my own wood to smoke uh, fish because the smoke imparted the flavor. And it was also that I, you know, I had to harvest my own flavors, go and harvest my own flavors for the year. So there was twice where I didn't harvest wood, where a friend, where I wasn't a part of that. One time a a friend harvested it without me being there. So I, that was another example of me breaking my, you know, my self guides that I had made. So there was some minor things like that. Um, And but other than that, like, I didn't really have to, besides minor mistakes or, or minor things like that, um, the only time I ate something that, that, that did come from the grocery store was I think on day 16. I took all the food over to my friend's house um, to make dinner for both of us. I brought mullet for the fish. I brought uh, cassava or yuca. It's like a potato. I brought the greens and the veggies from my garden. I brought um, uh, the salt, the herbs, um, and uh, pumpkin seeds. And so I had everything. And we made the meal together. And then she didn't finish her plate, so I ate what was on her plate. And after like one or two bites, I I realized she had sprinkled her own salt on the plate on the pumpkin seeds and so i probably had like 10 grain it, 10 grains of salt and that was my big mistake um, <laughs> and it, happened, it happened only 16 days in and um so so technically i didn't make it through the year without an industrial food because of that one mistake
2: sounds like you're being hard on yourself I <laughs> give you a pass on a few grains yeah, I mean, a few grains of salt it,
1: It happened. It hurt when it happened, but ultimately it is what it is,
2: you know. What I got a lot, just a lot of questions about the mechanics. I I guess I'll start with where a lot of folks be interested. When you, when you got your roadkill deer, were you making stock? Were you, um, using the organs? I guess with a roadkill might be a little bit harder for that, but describe how you kind of like utilize the whole animal.
1: Yeah. So if I'm, if I was hunting, then I'm going to try to utilize as much of the animal as I possibly can with fish. I made fish stock with the heads. I boiled the, you know, the heads and made fish stock. I ate the eyes and the brains. A lot of times of the fish, you know, with the lake trout, I ate the, the liver, um, with one lake trout. I found that if I slow cooked the lake trout, they have really soft bones. I literally could eat the entire head skeleton. So I did not know this, but I, I, I ate the, the teeth, the, the jaw, everything. It like melted the entire thing. Now with the deer, it was a different story because, because this was an animal on the side of the road that was already going to waste. I didn't feel a need to use every part because I felt like whatever I was doing was already a service, um, Whatever I could harvest, I would, and then the animal that what I couldn't use, I just dragged into the woods where it would be eaten by other animals or degrade, and not get picked up. In some areas, they're actually picked up and taken to the landfill. So whatever I left was actually going to biodegrade and you know re-enter the system. So I didn't harvest the organs with any of the the deer hit by cars, just because you know a lot of times they might have a ruptured yeah you know that organ makes sense. inside. The Now, that's somewhere that with some deer, if they get, if you hit it yourself and it's a, you know, it gets hit in the head and you do it right away, there's, I'm sure a lot of people probably have harvested organs, but the scenarios that I came across and also my lack of experience, I decided to go with, basically what I would do is I would set the deer up on its uh, joints and then so that it was basically, you know, sitting with its back upwards. And then what I would do is I'd harvest the back straps. um, And then I'd harvest whatever quarters weren't damaged. Sometimes I'd get all four quarters, sometimes two, sometimes three. Um, And then I would generally, and I could do that without hanging it and without ever touching the organs, just going for those quarters. And then I would generally harvest the neck as well. And so that's what I would utilize. The first deer I harvested was just a little fawn and I got nine pounds of meat out of it. Um, I would also take the bones and I would make bone broth. And then, then, you know, towards that was in August and the, the, the summer was rough. You know, there's the deer aren't moving as much. And I wasn't seeing many, but once it got to be like September on one drive, 120 miles, I found seven or nine deer. And I harvested meat from three of them. I think I harvested like 60, 70 pounds. Um, and you know, in the fall season, it's amazing. I mean, if I lived in Wisconsin, I feel like I would just harvest those and feed everyone in my neighborhood with, with deer meat. It's an amazing resource and an amazing resource of quality, healthy meat that gets, you know, wasted. and, wasted and just driven past by so many people i think it's just i think it's just an amazing resource of of quality meat
2: yeah we did that recently in michigan on a on a shoot we just we didn't kill a deer we wanted to do some butchering demonstrations and we picked up a roadkill deer and it's it, it was the first time i've ever done it but it was the first time i've ever butchered one fully and it was and i'm sitting around thinking why don't i do this more often what what am i doing um, so
1: was that one in good enough shape where you could like, were the organs intact
2: at all? Or? Yeah, it had sat long enough where I just wasn't. They were intact. They had some some trauma. You know, it had actually had some, a bunch of trauma on the front shoulder. It had it was starting to turn green a little bit, so we just peeled that away and peeled off part of the front shoulder. But um, it was a pretty small deer, too. It was just a, a year-and-a-half-year-old. But it was just a just process of, of going through that, being able to take what you can and feeling like a scavenger rather than a hunter, because a hunter, you, you really take ownership of, of the thing. So it, it, it makes total yeah. sense what you're saying about about that. But I know you you probably had beehives. and I can't even imagine all the things that you had here. You know, getting salt from the ocean. Or what are the like the 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 things that surprised you that you learned? Like things that you didn't know you were, were going to be calorie resources that became essential. Uh, just those little idiosyncrasies.
1: Well, I would say for people that really have the desire to live off the land, as people would say, and, you know, never have to go to the grocery store. I think one of the main things that holds, that prevents people from being able to accomplish that is calories. Um, most people buy their grains and their flours and a lot of grains are not easy to do on small scale and they are something that is much more efficient at large scale. Now for me in Florida, grain, if Florida is not a grain state, you know, it, grain, it, it's just not a place where grains grow well, the heat and the humidity. Um, but what grows amazingly is, is tubers. So sweet potato yams and cassava or yuca. And I spent so many hours crunching the numbers for calories and everything. I mean, I crunched the numbers for, 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 for all of my forms of food to figure out how much I would need. Um, but calories was one of the big ones. I was often making spreadsheets. Um, figuring out how many calories I had either planted that day or harvested or had stored away. Um, And I was amazed at how many calories I could grow in a relatively small place in a front yard in Orlando. And I calculated that on an average size lot, you can comfortably grow all of the calories for one person for a year from sweet potatoes and and cassava or yuca and yam and i think a, with a like with a house on a half acre you I, I i think you could grow the calories for a you know a family of 3 or 4 using those calorie crops in florida i don't have experience elsewhere but for me that was you know when i was just crunching those numbers I grew, seven, I grew about 500 pounds of sweet potato out of an area that was about 15 feet wide by about 20 feet. So that's 300 square feet, and I got about 500 pounds of sweet potato out of there in one wow. season. So that was pretty revolutionary for me to see that you indeed can produce your calories too uh, when you have the right calorie crops to be able to do so.
2: Yeah, you know, what you were talking earlier about kind of like producing flavors and I imagine I was thinking like maybe he had hot sauce (laughs) Maybe he made hot sauce out of peppers or something what were the the flavors were there honey hot sauce like what were you able to um, cook up
1: yeah well you know honey was a big one I had four colonies of bees and all of the colonies were rescued uh rescued colonies so I I made friends with a local bee rescuer where if bees are you know a lot of people if they get bees in their shed or you know in their house the honeybees, they'll actually have them exterminated. And so this guy, what he does is he actually goes and does a live rescue. He removes them and then he finds a new home for them. So that's where I got my four colonies. And I would not have been able to make it through the year without the honey. I mean, the honey was my moral, uh, like my, it, it's what got me having that sweetness because I have a, I have a major sweet tooth. I love chocolate. And having that honey to go to for a quick pick me up, um, mentally was so huge plus calories. I mean, a spoonful of, of honey is like a hundred calories, I think, or something like that. So, you know, I could get so many calories through that as well. So, and working with the bees was just so incredibly special. I, I'd, of the top five things that would make me jump out of bed in the morning, bees are one of them. Just, just being surrounded by tens of thousands of bees and and working with them and seeing them every day, going out, collecting nectar, bringing it back, knowing that that's going to turn into honey is, is, was pretty special. I feel like I got a little sidetracked on uh, the
2: honey. <laughs> no, I like it, man. I, uh, we've been exploring that around here. We're thinking about doing some meat eater, honey, put some bees on our place yeah, in Michigan.
1: Oh. And mead and mead is definitely one of the most special things. Um, it's just, It's literally just water and honey. You mix that together and you have one of the most special drinks to humanity. And actually, I remember the first time I ever saw it. I was in Kenya 10 years ago and these guys took me out to their shed. There was a five gallon plastic bucket. They lifted off the lid and it was just boiling and it was just honey and water and uh, some sticks that added different bacteria in there but there was so much bacterial life in there that it was literally just fizzing and boiling. And, you know, I, it's one of the earliest forms of of alcohol, I think, to humanity. And it really is just such a special thing. It tastes amazing. It's healthy. Mine was really low alcohol content, like literally just a few percent. Um, But boy, did that just add so much value to my life. Um, And then as far as flavors, yeah, I grew about 30 or 40 different herbs and spices, and then I foraged a lot of them too. You start to look into the plants around you and you realize that there's so many leaves and um, you know, and greens and different plants that are just great natural local herbs and spices. And then of course, peppers. Um, peppers are one of the easiest things for beginner gardeners to grow and so i I just always had an infinite supply of Serrano peppers, the yeah. one that did the best. I took a seed from my friend's garden, I planted it, and I got over a thousand peppers from that one one seed over a period of a, a year or a year and a half.
2: Yeah man, I love Serrano peppers too I've, I've grown them over the years, and they are they're super easy. even in this montana climate, you can get them going. Um, gosh man, so many questions about like the <laughs> mechanics of what you did. did you? Ever, I mean, for me, you know, food and drink is still an indulgence, right? So you sit down, you're like, I'll have some cake, and I'll have a whiskey. Uh, there's, and there's so much of that where food just isn't sustenance. It's not calories only. Um, there's no mathematics in it. Sometimes I can sit down and just enjoy um, different flavors, different ingredients without, you know, really take, just taking a break, not having to understand where they came from. Did you miss that, or were you able to find that anywhere within this year?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I definitely what I really missed, I throughout the year I didn't miss any one particular food so much. I didn't generally crave any food that I didn't have. But what I really missed was convenience. You know, having like one night for example, I I had my my cassava in the pot. I was cooking it cooking it up and I uh, went into my house, my kitchen was outdoors. And I wasn't paying attention and I come out and I I I I open it up and I've burned these potatoes so bad that there's literally coals in the pot. Like they are glowing red. I have burnt them so bad. And I and 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 I didn't have convenient foods in my pantry at, at that time. I I I hadn't had dried fruits or, or things like that. So that night I just went to bed hungry because I burnt my dinner so bad that it was inedible and I didn't have other foods and I was starving, but I was also exhausted. So I just went to bed hungry. So there was definitely just that yearning for convenience and ease, like coming home after a long day. If I didn't have leftovers, a lot of times I came home at seven and I wasn't eating until nine o'clock because I had to gather it all from the garden. Um, and, you know, so... That was really challenging. Now the the better that I got and the longer it went on though, the easier that became. For example, at the end, I had like thirty quarts of canned venison that, you know, I could just pop the top off and add that to any meal. And it was just easy as can be. And I had dried fruits and I had beans and I had flour. I I had probably thirty pounds of different flours that I could make tortilla and bread from. And so you know, towards the end, it became easier. And, you know, that's for me an interesting and important point of all this is that I went after 10 months and being very minimally experienced in any of this, I had never made flour. I had dehydrated very few things. You know, I had never made most of these things from scratch or stored a lot of food. I was so new to so many elements of these. i had never kept bees before. Um, I had never harvested a deer before, you know, I was so new to so many of these things. And the fact that I was able to go from zero to hundred percent after 10 months to me is amazing. And I look at, so I look at it and I say, well, if you're established and you've been doing this for five or 10 years, then the hardships that I went through wouldn't be nearly as strong. And, and I do really believe that we can get to a point where we can be doing this and, we still can have that comfortable, that comfort and convenience as we build up the pantry that's you know full of the multiple last years of preserves and such. And of course, the other big thing is that I did this to the extreme of hundred percent for the personal exploration to have to learn how to grow and forage everything that I would need to see if it was possible to do something extreme to bring attention. Um, and but the reality is is that there's no need for us to do hundred percent. And for me, it's really about, you know, if we can do 80% um, and still buy those some of those treats and and the, some of those things that make things easier, especially if we can source them locally, then absolutely, I think that we ought to do that. Um, so that extreme was really, it was never about doing it forever. It was always just about immersing and seeing if it was possible for a period of time.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It's like with, with modern technology, I always thought like if I want to become a beekeeper, I can do it. You know, I li- it's 2020, we live in the best of times. Like, if I want to, you know, if I want to learn something, it, it's at my fingertips, which uh, is unique in our humanity. Other, A lot of the things you learned, you probably would have had to learn from, a, in a communal sense, if you would have been a couple hundred years prior um, to what you tried to do. So that that's an interesting angle, too. Did you feel like, Do you ever come to a point now where you go to a restaurant and have a meal and you miss the work? <laughs>
1: okay. Yes. Um, So I finished on November 11th, today's February 14th. So I finished almost exactly three months ago and I miss it. I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, life is always hard. I I truly believe that no matter what life is hard, but right now I miss that deep connection with the food. I am staying somewhere where I actually have um, this place I'm staying at in Costa Rica I am harvesting a lot of my own food right off the land. Some some days, 100% of my food is coming off the land here, um, and that feels good. But for the two months prior, I I really I felt a lack of connection, and and it doesn't feel as good. The meals aren't as special, and um, and I've I've felt a disconnection from the earth because the reality is is that. When things are convenient it's hard to resist them. so if you can open up a fridge and everything you need is right there, it's a lot harder to go out into the garden and harvest those potatoes that are under the ground or you know if you have a if you have all the beef you could possibly need in your freezer, for most people it's a lot less likely that they're going to go out and they're going to harvest that deer and so I've definitely fallen for the convenience. Um, of having a refrigerator accessible or having res- restaurants or grocery stores accessible. And I will say that in some ways, I have more time to do other things, but also I would say my quality of life has decreased um, because I think a connection to our food, the deep, a deep connection is for me, that is one of the best forms of a high quality of life. And something that I've personally learned is that a quality existence takes time. So today, everything is based so much around convenience, but for a lot of people, I don't see this convenience creating a, a, a really high quality of existence. I see so much depression and so many people just always wanting something more and never feeling satisfied. And I think that real quality of existence comes from work and comes from having to harvest our food and, and hunt and connect with our food. And... And it's work, but, you know, everybody who's, who's hunted and grown food knows that, yes, it is work, but it's not just work. It is, it's passion, it's pleasure, and it's just a deep form of satisfaction. And, and I, I I will say I've definitely lost some of that deep form of satisfaction. And I know that I'm going to be traveling for the next year, year and a half and it's going to be difficult. And I'm already thinking about <laughs> wanting to get back to the land and, you know, set up a new spot and again, try this possibly in the state of New York. I'm already, already craving it. And I only finished three months ago.
2: Yeah. It's funny how that, how that works, right? We kind of get the, lulled into this sense of what satisfaction is and what happiness is. And like I said, when, when food becomes, and I've slid into this a lot, you know, where, where food becomes an indulgence, it becomes a form of like, you run to it to, to get pleasure. it, it it becomes too convenient. Um, and I, hunting is the first thing that taught me that. The first thing that taught me, like my wife gets annoyed every time we sit down. I'm like, oh, let me tell you a story about this deer. <laughs> let me tell you the, the hunt that I had, that what I had to do to get this animal to the table right here. And I think my wife just rolls her eyes. Another story about another deer. But um, that's done more for me than I, I could probably articulate. It seems like you've, you got that in spades with this.
1: Yeah definitely just it's and the salt you know just like you've you brought up the salt multiple times so I might as well say how that works um yeah because I, I had no clue how the heck I never met anyone who harvested harvested their own salt at the time um and I just didn't know how the heck it works and I didn't know what what about like contaminants in the ocean I knew the ocean had salt in it but how do you actually do it and it literally was just as simple as Eventually, what I did is just went to the ocean, filled up a bucket of salt, took it home, put it in a pot, boiled it, boiled off the water, and I was left with my salt. And it was it was just as simple as that. And uh, you know, I always everybody who came over always wanted to taste the salt, and I would always ask them how it tasted. They would pretty much always say it tastes a little bit saltier, and sometimes they would say it tastes like a little more ocean-like, um, like you can taste the ocean. Whether or not that was or it was just a mental thing, that was what pretty much everybody said that it's saltier than than the average salt. Um, but it was, yeah, definitely really as simple as that. And now, of course, I never the thing that worried me at first was, well, what about contaminants? Because if you boil five gallons of salt of water, that means you're gonna concentrate the five gallons of contaminants in there. But and people always ask that question, like. Aren't you worried about pollution and contaminants? But those same people, I usually ask, well, how do you know what's in the food that you're buying at the grocery store? Actually, I mean, even if you look at organic, when you really look deeper at at most organics, they are not ever what you would imagine. Like if you go to almost any organic farm that's supplying on the mass scale to the grocery store, it's not the picture perfect farm that you would imagine. And so I just kind of came to realize that when you're connected to the food, you're going to realize, yeah, there are possibly some contaminants here, but it's because you see it. Whereas at the grocery store, you can just easily ignore that and put your blind faith and your blind trust in that system. But we all know that, that blind faith and blind trust in that system is a, is a form of delusion and, and, and that these food companies are, those foods are, are not perfect and by any means. And so, you know, sometimes some of the foods that I eat might've had some contaminants from being out exposed to the world, but I, I don't believe that when it, when it all comes together, that it's, it's more than the food that I would get wrapped in plastic at the grocery store.
2: Yeah. I've had people ask me that before. How do you, you know, when you're when you kill an animal, how do you know it's healthy? It's like, well, you look at it. <laughs> you you, you yeah. look at its meat. You look at it. You know what healthy meat looks like. Does it look healthy? Um, there's a lot of other you know, other factors, obviously. Um, but that's it can be that simple. And like you said, the contaminants that we're putting in our body from other from other processed places um, would have to be equal, if not more, to whatever you found, whatever was in the ocean that you were pulling out.
0: for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in you crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store, or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today.
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's, you, I mean, you just said, basically, it comes down to common sense a lot when, when you don't know something, you don't know it. And if you've never hunted before, you don't know how to look at animals and think about whether they're healthy and, and, and understand those things. And the same with plants. But once you, once you w- walk out in the woods and you're actually paying attention to those things, you start to realize that a lot of it's just, it's basic common sense. It's common sense that's been completely lost by our current society where we read labels at the grocery store. But once you start hunting and fishing and gathering, you start to see that, yeah, this is just basic common sense and you could call it intuition or whatever you want to call it, but it's just that human beings have been doing this for the history of humanity and we still, we haven't lost it. Like we, we can We have these cues that we don't necessarily even have to put words to, but we just generally understand when something is something that we should put in our body or when something is something we shouldn't, something that's sick possibly.
2: Yeah. No, and it, it it is generally like you said. It's 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 there. It's common sense. You look at a deer and it looks sick. It looks skinny. You can see its ribs. Or a lot of times, I mean, I always find it interesting to cut the paunch open on a deer or cut the crop open on a turkey and just look at what it what it was eating. Normally, you know, because you're you're watching it eat um at some point before you kill it or you're in in the same ecosystem where it lives so you kind of know what it feeds on but it's always interesting to kind of explore that once you've killed that animal too just to kind of know and get a different perspective on on what's there so I, i imagine you know this this i i you call it an experiment is that is that a way to call it
1: it was it was yeah you could call it an experiment an experience uh uh, immersion, yeah, absolutely.
2: Any of those things. So this, so this immersion, um, I imagine did so much for you, just from a pers- gathering perspective and and knowing how you want to move forward and interact with the world. Um, what did other people think that were close to you? Um, they think you are crazy. That they they want were they inspired by you? I know you did a lot of content around this as well. What's what's been the the thing you were surprised by in the interaction after or during?
1: yeah so and and i should clarify i also would just call it life too because it is it is an experiment but my life is an experiment like that's what i'm just always whatever i'm doing i'm always experimenting with something like just seeing what's possible so it's experiments in life um but yeah as far as people's response you know i've been doing this sort of thing long enough now that i've built a General understanding around that I know what I'm doing. Like when I first started, a lot more people thought I was just crazy um, because I hadn't proven myself yet by any means. But launching into this project, I had already done quite a few other projects that proved that when I set out to do something, I do my research. I know what I'm talking about, Um, I know what I'm getting myself into. And so now, my, I don't have nearly as many people who think I'm crazy. Now, with that being said, still, a lot of people think I'm just an absolute lunatic because the way that I put it is that I, I'm extreme. Like There's no question about that. The way that I do things is extreme. I take on extreme things. But the reason that I'm extreme is actually because our current society is extreme. Now, our current society seems normal because when you see the same thing around you day after day after day, month after month, year after year, it becomes normal no matter what it is. No matter how extreme something is, if pretty much everybody around you is doing it and it's what you're used to, then it's normal to you. So the United States has 5% of the world's population, but we use 25% of the world's resources. That, by definition, is not normal. That by definition is extreme from a global standard. So what I like to point out is that, that the United States' current way of doing things is actually by definition extreme. The only reason I'm extreme is because I have to take the counterbalance to that. I go to the other end of the spectrum to point it out. And what it's really about is it's about coming back to a place of moderation. About And you know, a place of moderation to me would be actually knowing where our food comes from, knowing what it is that we're eating and eating in a way that we are not decimating the world around us by doing it. To me, that would be moderation. The extreme would be, you know, not having a clue where anything comes from, how it got to us and the impact that it has. So, so you still have people that are, they're so, they're completely disconnected with their food where they think, food comes from the grocery store it doesn't come from the land it's from the industry so because of that extreme there's no doubt there's there's tens of thousands of people who have been exposed to my work this year who think I'm just just crazy but overall the main response i get today is that people are people are inspired because People are waking up by the millions to the reality of our food system and the reality of the many, many of the ways that our current society does things. And they've, they've woken up to the fact that this is not normal and that this is not the way that humanity's always been doing it. And it's not the way that we can keep doing it forever. So because of that, honestly, most people, when I see me, seeing me take it to the extreme, they're inspired. They're just excited. And a lot of people, the response is that they've never grown something before and they just. Are, they just absolutely are dying to get their first seed planted and they do. And so a lot of people, they're just, they're just inspired to go out foraging for the first time or to grow food for the first time. And then the people who, you know, are already hunters and gatherers and growers for a lot of them that have already, you know, been living this lifestyle or have, or have made that shift 10 years ago for a lot of them, they're inspired just to take things a step further. You know, maybe they've had the dream of, of, you know going a month without the grocery store and seeing this this project I've done has have given them the motivation and the the example to see okay he's done it there's an example now I can do this and so so generally like inspired and and motivated um, to take things a step further has been i would say what i what i feel surrounded by the most and the response i get from people the most
2: yeah now i think it's that's a beautiful thing and and one thing i realized having these conversations on on this show is that there's this version of, you know, environmentalism or just caring about the earth that seems and you wrote this in one of your posts. I want to pull it up and read it cuz I think it was great the way this like the mainstream environmental message and even the animal rights message is always, you know, it's 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 broad. It's like factory farming, monoculture crops. These are the things we're battling and, and that's a big task to take that all on and eliminate factory farming but What's well, not a big task is to, to step back from that and make changes in your life and just make those changes in your life first before trying to tackle this giant ideological cultural thing that we've got our, our arms around, which is the way that we eat, especially in the industrial age. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah. you. So uh, you wrote – so you posted a picture of the the fawn that, you, that we've already talked about and um, you had a, bi- a big post and a bunch of good – interaction here. But you said, um, at the end, you said, if we truly, if we want to truly change society and change the world, we must think intricately and embrace diversity in all manners of life. We must go beyond the mainstream environmental message of thought patterns, the greenwashing and labels. We must go far, far deeper. Uh, I thought that was very well said, especially when you're, we're looking at harvesting a deer off the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting day for me. That was my first time doing it originally. I wasn't going to post about it, but I just saw it as a great lesson. And interestingly enough, that deer was probably my most liked and commented on post of the entire year. Actually, no, the most was the next post where I expressed that like a thousand people unfollowed me um, because of that post. And I expressed that, that same thing. I doubled down that look, we have to go deeper. We, we have to look at the reality of our situations and we have to go to uncomfortable places because, yeah, I mean, the reality of our current environmental movement is they like, not they, but people like to make things black and white. They want easy answers. They want, this is the way you do it. This is the way you don't do it. And, you know, meat eating is, in this podcast, Meat Eater, Is kind of at the very center of that because it's been made so black and white by the two sides where, you know, in the environmental movement, meat has been portrayed as the absolute destroyer of our earth by by so many people. And but you look deeper and you just realize that it's not that simple. It's not that case at all. There are ways that animals are raised and hunted where it is extremely inhumane and it is one of the great bane[s] of humanity. But when you look a lot deeper and you realize that that's just one part of a destructive food system, you realize that just like you can step out of the factory farm food system, you can also step out of the The system of factory farming animals, but there are ways that we can work with animals that are actually beneficial to the environment and not destructive. And thus the opposite of opting out completely, that would be veganism, but you can actually opt in to regenerative agriculture or sustainable hunting or fishing. And that's the reality is, is that there is absolutely no easy answers. There's absolutely no black and white. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to any of these things every state things are going to be different every region and biome uh, every climate you know every different culture of people around the world it's always going to be different everywhere so it comes down to critical thinking problem solving uh, you know looking deeper understanding the the environment working with it no matter where we are and and all of that is intricate and complex
2: now nah, it's I love it I love it for for many many reasons, but I, but essentially because you're saying you know factory farming becomes this really, it becomes vitriolic and becomes a straw man. Really, you can set it up and knock it down pretty easy. And a lot of people are being convinced to go vegan because of that. And you're like, man, this is that's not going to do what you intend um, if you just stop eating meat. And but that's one option. The other option is to to eat meat responsibly and source it ethically and do it um, in the way that you were able to do it during that time. So it's great to hear you have that message. This is a hunting podcast. We're, we're supposed to not, we're not really supposed to talk about this stuff. Um, I, think we're, I think we're kind of supposed to talk about big antlers or what kind of gear or those things. Like that's traditionally what I grew up with. Um, not that says we're not supposed to talk about it, but that's just not really what in the hunting community we've talked about. It's like how we actually consume and how much of a benefit this is to us. It's kind of always been just a part of our community. You eat what you kill and that's what it is. But now, um, it's open and people are, are are loving, I think, this conversation that you can, you can be an environmentalist and still kill animals um, or eat, eat animals you harvested off the road and, and you can be a hunter and still appreciate the natural world and still want to protect it. So those things are, they are, they can be mutual and they, and they are. They're connected.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny, one of the, I think the top comment, like the most liked comment on that post is I'm a vegan and this is the most vegan thing I've ever seen about, about eating deer from the side of the road. And yeah. that's an example of someone who, who sees the outside of the black and white thinking. And, and um, it's an interesting thing because obviously I'm extreme, but the reality is, is all, this whole conversation is, is moderation. It's about bringing the two sides together and just, Talking about the basics of of the reality behind behind our actions, just you know, understanding those basic things.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I think it all goes back to like I think you boil it down well. I mean, it goes back to people wanting simple answers to these really complex questions, and um, we live in a world where where the media and then there's a lot of voices out there that are willing to help them do that and willing to push mm-hmm. an activism. You know, act people fall into activism so quickly without really understanding what they're what their um, on the stump for. So it's good to see people like you and other folks who are trying to reach out to you that are doing it, that that are taking the time to explore this stuff on the ground, what it means to them. I think it, it you know, from a, a redneck kid that grew up in Maryland and started hunting and move out West. Like I can appreciate this wholly. I think it's, it's fantastic.
1: Cool.
2: Um, One thing, one thing I didn't ask you is like, how healthy did you feel during this? and after do you feel less healthy not on the diet or what did it do you nutritionally
1: well a year is a long enough time to have as up you know it's ups and downs if you if you took on any diet for a whole entire year you know i would imagine you would have you would have days that feel great and days that don't and it was a long enough period of time where I've, i had that um now to start with interestingly um you know it took about 10 days, and then my digestion was the best that it's ever been because it was 10 days without a single packaged processed food, 10 days of straight from gardening and foraging. And just not having any packaged processed foods, the, the change was so rapid with just my digestion becoming so much better. Prior to that, whenever I sort of like poked my intestinal area, my lower stomach area, it always kind of hurt for years. And then I realized just about a week and a half in that I poked and It didn't hurt. And I think that was, um, that was, uh, what's it called? Sweat, not swelling. Um,
2: inflammation,
1: inflammation. Exactly. I think that was inflammation and it went away, not eating processed foods anymore. So I quickly felt way better. Um, I definitely felt a little more alive and energetic. And so the beginning, you know, felt way better. Then halfway through the year, that's when I became deficient in fat and protein. I was not able to catch, I was not catching enough fish. I hadn't gotten a deer yet. I was eating some squirrels, but not nearly enough. And, uh, was, you know, just failing at fishing, oddly enough. I was so surprised that that was the case. Um, and so I became deficient deficient in fat and protein my, my, my skin was feeling loose. Um, I was definitely feeling a little weaker. My, my thinking didn't feel quite as clear. I felt like I wasn't getting some essential fats to my brain. And I don't know if that's a reality, but that's what I felt, but no doubt wasn't getting enough fat or protein to my body. And so there was, that was a, a little bit of a rough patch. That was probably like July, August. And then once I started to, once I started to catch enough fish and once I got those deer, it took me about a month and I, I, wean myself just back into, you know, peak, uh, conditions. And, um, I went to my university to give a talk and they, they happened to have a body fat composition tester. Um, and I did that and I had a body fat of 15%. So I worked my fat back up plenty. And, um, I started at 153 pounds. And during that time I was going, the lowest I ever got was 149 pounds. So we're talking about as as little fluctuation as possible in weight. Um, And by the end, I ended at 152.4 pounds, so almost the same amount as I started, which is actually, honestly, a feat to maintain the weight without any processed packaged food. Uh, And at the end, I was definitely in the best physical condition that I could recall in the last – Mostly in like the last ten years, you know, most of my, uh, you know, adult life, twenties and the thirties, and I felt, you know, excellent at the end. Um, and one of the main things for me is sleep. Needing, I always, I need to get enough sleep. And whether I'm eating good or not, if I'm not getting enough sleep, that throws off my digestion and and everything. And I was well rested at the end and take care of myself. So I would say that um, there were definitely hard times, but it's safe to say that I came out of this feeling healthier and happier than when I started. And also I didn't get sick once through the entire year. I certainly had my down times indigestion sometimes, but I never even got a cold through the whole year. So for me, this was an amazing little personal Testament of the idea that nature can take care of us if we, if we let it and that, you know, food can be our medicine. And, um, I'm not saying that this is a diet for everyone or, or anything of that sort. Not remotely. This was my own personal experiment, but for me personally, I, it was great. It was it was it was fantastic, and I I want to get back to it.
2: I can hear your voice, man. It sounds it sounds like you're ready to get back to it. Well, you let us know when you're going up to to the northeast part of the world. We'll we'll get you in on some a bear maybe, so for, for some fat and uh, some cool. good meat and a bunch of other stuff up there.
1: I. You know, people. So many people said that that I could do this because I was. You know, so many people said, "Well, try doing this where it's cold." And so many people said, "You can only do this because because you're in a warm place because the year-round growing season." And I will in no way downplay the benefits of the year-round growing season and and some of the comfort comforts and conveniences that that provides. But I have this feeling that it's that I'm going to do better in the north than in the south. I just I just, I experienced northern Wisconsin, where I'm from, and the bounty is there. It's just a matter of harvesting it at the right time of the year and preserving it. And you got to be on top of your game through the summer and fall. Um, And if you're on top of your game, you can make it through the winter. And I truly feel, my guess is that if I do it, when I do it in a northern climate, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to go better and I think it's going to be easier and I'm going to. Maybe even come out a little fatter doing it. up in the <laughs> yeah, north.
2: I think you will too. I can think of a million things. I think I'm having a pile of morel mushrooms. Uh, I can think of man a million things. Wild asparagus. I can think of all those kind of foraging things, but also just turkey, bear, a deer or two. You'll be you'll be swimming in it.
1: Yeah, oh, I'm excited now. Yeah, so hopefully when I do it in the north, you could actually maybe take a trip out and come out and we
2: can do a, do the next podcast in the forest. Dude, I'm down. I'm down much, much better than this, but well, man, thank you for taking the time to to go through this. I know, I know you're busy, man. You got how many countries? What's it that you're going to be speaking in here coming up? About 30. About 30. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. So, well, good luck with that jet lag being what it is. Um, but, where can people find all this content that you you gathered up during this time or what other projects you're working on that people can get excited about?
1: Yeah. So um, just my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Rob Greenfield. Just type in my name. You'll find me. Instagram is at Rob J. Greenfield. And then uh, Facebook, um, just facebook.com slash Rob Greenfield. My website is um, uh, robgreenfield.org. And then, I'm writing a book right now. It'll be out in December of this year, so a little ways off. And once that book is out, I'll be doing a U.S. and Canada tour. I'm going to travel through about 30 states of the United States, and I'll be up in parts of Canada uh, with that book. And so, um, hope to see you know a lot of you uh, can come out and, and meet in person, ask questions. And that book, you can go to robgreenfield.org/foodfreedom book and you can pre-order that and a hundred percent of the proceeds from that book are being donated to uh nonprofits that are working on creating a more sustainable and just food system. So my purpose is really just getting the information out there and supporting those projects through that book and uh very excited. Uh, for people to read that when it's
2: out yeah me too man i think it just feels like you're helping to redefine what environmentalism is you know as a as a, as a more on the ground practice as opposed to to the, the more ideological thing that it has become over the years so that's something that really excites me because i i feel that way too with with my hunting life and, and the things that surround it so congrats on that and congrats on everything um hopefully you come through bozo on that tour and we'll get you out and we'll go we'll go chase something
1: absolutely the plan is to come through um montana on the amtrak because i'm mostly going to be doing it via amtrak and i know that bozeman is what a good three four hours south so i'll have to get a ride down there to make it to bozeman
2: i'll come pick you up <laughs> I'll, oh, yeah. I'll bring some uh first light gear some clothes some binos we'll go we'll go uh depending on what time of year we'll have something we can do
1: it'll be like february so well oh, uh, that's it.
2: To it. we'll go we'll ice fish
1: Nice fishing. All right, that's
2: Done. I love it. Plan. Well, no, thank right. you, Rob. Good luck in Costa Rica. Good luck when you travel. We really appreciate your time, man.
1: All uh, right, thanks for having me on, Ben, and keep it up.
2: All right, man. Thanks. That's it. That's all. The Hunting Collective, episode 104 in the books. Thank you to Rob Greenfield. Thank you to Tracy Crane, Seth Morris, Corinne Schneider, Joe Farinato, Spencer Newharth, and of course Phil, the engineer, for putting together another great episode of the show. We have yet one more contest to go over, if you can imagine it. And that is for the podcast kit, the podcast starter kit. So we're going to pick, for next week's episode 105, we're going to pick our top three podcasts we're going to detail why those folks want to be a podcaster and we're going to let you choose so be tuned in next week for that hey also another thing Phil yeah what's up say something into the microphone hello so we know you're there I'm here Um, guess what's coming back officially Dr. Phil ah no (laughs) okay no Uh, work sharp not so (gasps) sharp moments yes it's coming back we have reached an agreement. This is if, news to me. It's, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Worksharp, Not So Sharp Moments is coming back. At some point this spring, you'll be hearing more workshop, Not So Sharp Moments. So please write into THC at TheMediator.com if you want to get in on the fun and possibly win something really cool. So that's going to be coming back. We're going to be doing a bunch of those in 2020. Um, and uh, thanks to, as always, Worksharp for getting back in jump in the pond. I hope I'm not like breaking news. Like maybe the contract was just about to get signed. Yeah. You should probably run it by the people upstairs. Nah. Okay. (laughs) This is (laughs) putting pressure, putting pressure on everybody. This is how you you usually do things and it hasn't, it's worked out for you so far, right? You think so? Yeah. Mostly (laughs) I'm feeling pretty good. Anyway, good episode, man. I really am blown away. Honestly, we say it in jest a lot here, but I'm blown away by all of you that are taking this time to draw things and record things. I know you can win stuff, but it's a little bit more than that for me. And for Phil. Right, Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So And Phil's going to Disney World, aren't you? I am, yep. Leaving in two days. Going to a a podcast convention. (laughs) (laughs) Pick up some hot tips and tricks, but it's across the street from Disney World, so... I'm going to Star Wars land. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are not going to have a full report at all. Nope, I'm going to record it. a re- podcast remotely from the land, and uh, it will be its own episode. You can s- wait for it uh, in the feed, the THC feed. Yep. Uh, it's going to be three and a half hours long. Uh, well, I'll be drinking blue milk live, and you can hear it. Uh, right? fe- February 31st, next year. Okay, can't wait. <laughs> all right, it's going to be great. All right, well, thanks again for everybody for listening to this episode. Stick around with us. we got some fun stuff. In store for 2020. I have been uh, working away on some new guests, some new music. We got like some musical guests that we might have in to play some music for us. Man, we got a lot of really cool oh, stuff awesome. coming in 2020. So stick around. Peace.
5: All right, I think we're gonna we're gonna call in a big big old Tom here. Just give me a little bit. Oh, I think I hear one...
6: I'M THE MAN! I'M THE MAN!
5: Oh man, we got a big time, I gotta go! Oh, I did know you
6: want to
1: entertain
0: me... oh! Here we go! oh! <laughs> <clears throat> I'm a turkey
4: Hey, who's that
5: sexy lady? I'm coming your way, baby We could take our time You know, I just wanna Aw, oh, come on, Jake I'm doing a thing, man Hang on baby, hang on, I'll take care of this. She's not interested in you, Jake. Why don't you take your nubbin spurs and your skimpy McWeak beard out of here? No, you shut up, Jake,
2: because I'm the man.
6: I'm the man
5: Alright,
2: right, we're giving it a shot here at the Shelby household with Tori and Wayne, my nine year old son. We're gonna do the turkey call. First one is
0: the hen. Wayne. Now we're gonna go with the gobble.
2: and then we're going to hit him with the famous Ben line.
5: Off man! Man. Okay, this is the recording for Ben O'Brien at The Hunting Collective. You got Grant, Carter, Josh, and Taylor Ray, and we're going to give you our best turkey call. Starting, (laughs) (laughs) Starting with Taylor Ray. Taylor Ray, take the mic. I don't
6: know either. Go go
1: go 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 go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright this is Josh God. and <laughs>
6: <laughs> not a turkey <laughs> I think uh, I think you called
2: one in uh, Okay this is Carter <laughs> Ooh,
6: Dang son that's pretty good <laughs> Alright
5: this is Grant and here's my my turkey call <laughs> pretty good. Signing off. I hope that this brings you much enjoyment. Be careful that you don't listen to this in the woods. You might call it a turkey. The turkeys
0: are coming, yes. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it... Make sure to pick up some meat-eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls, or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. i just have Yanni use his, then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls, get calls that are made in the USA, and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.